0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game related topics. My name is Bob.
1: And I'm Natasha.
0: Alright, this week we are going to dive into it. We're reviewing Ticket to Ride, Legends of the West, the legacy game. We're going to dive into our opinions of it. And in the discussion topic this week, Natasha has kind of an interesting uh, topic she wants to discuss. I'm going to kind of let you introduce it. Because I don't think I can do this topic justice like you can.
1: Okay, so um, I've been watching TikTok videos although my daughter says I don't watch TikTok, I watch Instagram Reels, but whatever, it's the same thing. It's not, but okay. And um, there's this, I've started seeing these people pop up that they're called D-influencers where they're like, try to, you know, talk to you about like not buying products, like a lot of influencers try to get you to buy their products. These are people that are like, you don't need to buy anything like minimalist, you know, and I align a lot with that. So I would like to de-influence you into buying board games. I don't want to be an influencer that talks you into buying sh- that you don't need. Um, I'm, I'm big into that. I, I like, I don't like buying a ton of things. And I think that's true with board games. I think I definitely have like, of all my things, I have the most board games of anything else in my life for sure. So it's I'm not saying to buy zero board games, but uh so I'm going to give you some tips on how to play a lot of board games without having to buy them.
0: Which actually isn't that bad of an idea cuz like especially if people depending on their economic situation, some people can't necessarily afford a ton of gigantic collection. Other people like that's their hobby, that sort of thing. So that's actually not a bad um bad a topic to really like talk about, right? Is like how can you find alternative ways to play the games you want to play without actually having to be the one who physically buys it.
1: Yeah, and I believe that you can be a board gamer and own zero games. I think that's completely possible. Like you do not need to ha- be a collector, you do not need to own hundreds of games just because a lot of board game gamers own hundreds and hundreds of games does not mean you need to. If you want to own, you know, 5, 10 games and that is it, that is completely fine and you are still a board gamer. And so I want to influence you like the kids are saying these days
0: the the youth would say yeah being part of the hobby does not mean you have to have games right like like I said it's a mentality thing it's you know it's a passion that you like it's something you want to do and you don't necessarily always have to buy all the board games so um natasha's gonna share with you how she gets around not buying board games mm-hmm. and I i i hope it's more than just like have your friends buy them but we'll find We'll find out. <laughs> I mean,
1: it's mostly that, but yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, just uh, what you gotta do is you gotta um manipulate your friends into buying the games that you wanna play, I think is what ultimately is like the goal, right, it's like, hey, Bob, are you gonna buy this game I t- I still remember there was one game in particular, I can't remember the name of the, the woodcraft game. woodcraft, okay. Where you're just like, I'm not gonna buy it, Bob's going to. And I was It was like, a sushi what?
1: game with a rondell. You were and you still haven't bought that out of spite, no, right?
0: Yeah, completely out of spite. But that's just my character is I'm very spiteful. And <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna do something like that, I'm just not gonna do it.
1: I think Chris bought it, so it didn't matter anyways.
0: Yeah, Chris ended up buying it because he loves Suchi games. And the thing is, like, yes, it's a sushi game with a rondell, but at the same time, like Chris's probably favorite designer is Suchi in like a prime example is I picked up uh, underwater cities from Jeremy who picked it up from Dan and then Chris bought it from me because he wanted it. <laughs> so like Chris is, Chris loves the Suchi game. So if he want, if he loves them, like, and he's going to get him, I might as well let him do it. And he's let me borrow Woodcraft and I've played it with my wife. Um, I did offer him like a straight up trade, because I like Woodcraft better than I like Praga, Kaput, Regni. And I was like, why don't we just do a swapsies? Like, you give me Woodcraft and I'll give you this. But yeah. it, didn't, it didn't quite work out that way. wow, so. oh,
1: I'm surprised. I thought he would have liked that.
0: I know he likes Praga, but he plays it a lot online. Mm. So I don't know if he wants like the physical version of it. Like, I've played that game quite a bit online, not with the actual board game. So that is one of those things. But why don't we get into some reviews? Let's talk about Ticket to Ride.
1: So, are we going to talk spoilers? How far are we going to get into this? People yeah, are going to so, want to know.
0: Yeah, that is a good question. So, my thought process is my review, my overview of Ticket to Ride is the very first game you play. So, this is going to be the same like if you watch Rodney Smith's Watch It Played of the thing. He basically goes over the content of how to play the game um, from the very first game. So, that's okay. the approach that I'm taking with my overview I'm not spoiling any sort of content that you unlock or anything like that. That said, while we're talking, we're probably going to be talking about some of that stuff. But I am going to try my best not to spoil anything that you're gonna you're going to get while playing the game. At okay. least that's that's my
1: approach. So if we talk, if I promise this, if we say something that could be a spoiler, we'll let you know. But at this point, we're we are not going to spoil yeah. anything. Correct. So you may continue listening.
0: All right, yes, Don't. there's no need to fast forward. We're going to try to be spoiler-free. Okay, so Ticket to Ride Legends of the West is a hand-management route-building legacy game designed by Rob Davio, Matt Leacock, and Alan Moon. Art is by Cyril Dijon and Julian Delval, And it is published by Days of Wonder. So first and foremost, like I said, this review is going to be basic gameplay. And this is literally the rules you're going to get For the very first game so uh, the first thing players are going to do is going to be assemble several puzzle pieces to create a map of the eastern united states each player will then choose a company and take a company box that matches that color and the trains that match that color so this is the company that you're going to be playing for the rest of the legacy experience the rest of the setup is very similar to ticket to ride like each player is going to get a starting hand of train cards four tickets where you have to choose at least two of the four cards during the setup portion, that's also when players are going to be reading the story deck. And then as far as gameplay, it's also very similar. So on your turn, you have one of three actions you can do. You can gain more train cards, which you can either take two from the display or two from the top of the deck. Uh, there are wilds, locomotives. If you take one from the face-up row, that's the only card you can take. Uh, the next thing you can do is you can claim a route on the board uh, by playing you know, a matching set of colors. You can claim that route. Or you can draw more ticket cards. You can draw three ticket cards, and you have to keep at least one. The majority of the difference in this game to, like, normal ticket to ride is that when you claim a route, you don't actually score any points. So the way points work in this game is money. So players will gain money during the game when they claim a route of their player color. So, for example, if I take a green route, I will make money because I've claimed that route. So once a player has two or less trains, that's going to trigger the end of the game. Everyone's going to take one last turn and then proceed to scoring. Uh, Players will score points based on the coins they have earned throughout the course of the game. They will earn a certain amount of money based on the amount of trains they have left in their pool. So the less trains you have, the more money you'll make. And then finally, any tickets they have completed. Any tickets that you're going to complete is going to add to your total. If you were unable to complete any of those tickets, they're going to go against your total. Then whoever has the most points wins that game. So this is a legacy game, right? And the rules are going to ebb and flow as you're playing because you're going to unlock content. You're going to add on to the board, stuff like that. Um, let's talk about the story. So in most Legacy games, at least the ones I've played and the ones I've enjoyed the most, there's a story element to it, right? There's a progression of of different things throughout it. What do you think of the story overall?
1: I liked it. I thought it was super cute. I like the Wild West theme. I feel like it fits really well with the that the trains and whatnot and I think it was really cute and it kinda comes up a lot and I, I thought it was was really adorable. Like I'm never into a story. Like you know, I think the, the most capturing story of course for legacy games has always been the the pandemics. Right. Um, and, and and it doesn't compare to that. But but I think it's cute.
0: Yeah, the the overall story is hmm. I mean it's there. I don't think it's that great. If I'm being honest. And I think part of it is going into a legacy game or slash campaign game. I really enjoy the story element of that sort of thing. You know, games build upon games and then you're getting this bigger picture of different things like that. And with this Wild West theme, like there's story, but I just don't find myself caring that much about it. If that makes sense. Like, it's it's fine. And if you like Old West theme, like it does kind of, it does, you know, obviously have that Old West kind of feel to it, but it didn't impact me like the pandemics did. So if you're looking for a storyline that's similar to the pandemics, I don't think this is that game. No. You know, I think it's, I think the story's fine, but I don't necessarily think it's anything that I would tell people, oh, you need to play this. The story is so good.
1: No, I wouldn't recommend this game for the story. the The fun in the game is not the story. It's, it's 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 a it's a little bow on the package, is what it is. Oh, yep, there's a story. Cute. All right, we read about it. Yep, we're good. Okay, what what how yeah. we play this game? Right, you know? and that's
0: then the the thing that's slightly different in this game compared to like legacy games of the past is in let's say Pandemics, and we're gonna reference Pandemic a lot in this review, partly because I mean that's kind of the godfather of legacy games at this point is the one by all things shall be judged. This game, typically in the story deck, legacy deck, that's where you're going to get the vast majority of your stuff, right? In here, it, it's not the case. Like, the, the legacy slash story deck is pretty minimal. Mm-hmm. There's not a ton in there. The vast majority of what you get as far as, like, mechanics and new things and new rule sets and all that stuff happens as the game progresses and you're unlocking additional content. So that was a little bit different cuz I was expecting more out of the, the story deck and like about halfway through the legacy campaign I realized like the the legacy deck isn't really where you're getting a lot of stuff from. You're getting it from the content you unlock.
1: And I think that was interesting because a lot of these, you know, pandemics uh, Machiko, Clank Legacy—they're very linear. You know, everyone's yeah. kind of doing the same story. And 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 Ticket to Ride—it's not linear at all. I I I'm, I might go in a very different direction that you go in. Yep. I might unlock it in different ways, and so that that way, that the, the storyline is not in the the deck at the story deck; it's in the stuff that you unlock.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be those those boxes that you un uh, discover and. Everything like that. And um, I don't think this is a spoiler because it's pretty obvious. Like you get a bunch of puzzle pieces. And when you open the box, you see additional puzzle pieces. And one of the things you're going to do is explore more of the puzzle pieces. And that's when you're really going to unlock the content. And that's where you're talking about that. It deviates from that linear path. You, what you guys choose to unlock next or what piece you end up choosing to add onto your game board is how the rules are going to change and evolve and adapt. So you could end up having something take place later on in the game that you can only work on for a little bit as opposed to you know, something you get early on that you have a lot more time to get through. I will say this too. Um, I felt like the game had a very slow start. The first like two or three games it just felt very like, okay, let's 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 get going. Let's start let's start doing stuff. How'd you feel about that?
1: Yeah. I don't disagree with that, but, but the games were so quick. Like they were, they were like half an hour. The first game was like a half an hour game. It was really short. It was really just to teach you the game. And that was it, you know, and, and I appreciated that. And none of the games felt actually long. Like they actually sped up. There was a few ways they sped up a game, which I really liked. I thought the whole thing, cause Max and I played it in a week. You could easy play the whole campaign in a weekend. You know, it's quick. It moves fast. I really like how you don't score points around the board. You use money instead. And I really like how you're not getting points every time you put train tracks down. It de-incentivizes you to get the long routes. You know, you're more likely to get just the short ones because it doesn't matter if you do like one five route or five one routes. But I like how you don't have to like keep score throughout the whole game. I really like that a lot.
0: It does make you think about things slightly different, right? Because like you said, you don't. There's no reason to claim larger routes. I will say later on in the game when you unlock something, there is a reason. But it eventually like goes away. So there there might be a reason why you want to claim longer routes as opposed to shorter routes. But in, but for the most part, like you said, it doesn't matter. Which is, is both good and bad. Because I agree. like It was interesting because it makes you think about things differently. It's no longer about how can I score points throughout the game. It's how can I achieve my tickets as quickly as I possibly can while still claiming my company color routes to gain that money. Yep. But what ends up happening sometimes is like in a regular game of Ticket to Ride, I have five trains. You have six trains. I've completed all my tickets. I have a grip full of cards. Like I'm not probably going to draw tickets. Like it like depending on how my my train route is done on the board there, it might not be worth it for me to do tickets. So I might end up just trying to take long routes to score more points. It eliminates that. Mm -hmm. So now at the end, I felt my wife and I, because we played a two player, we often were like, all right, let's gamble and pull some tickets. But I do agree that it's fast. The first three, I think two or three games for me was just a little bit slow because you're just trying to like I'm just trying to get more content. And my wife described it as kind of like, you know, when you get a game and there's the play this game first, play the introductory game, and then it unlocks more content after you've gotten a, accustomed to the introductory game. I felt like the first couple of games in this was the introductory game, game to get people like acclimated to this style of ticket to ride. Mm hmm. Which for me was just a slow start, but like you said, it's it's the first few games is fast because you have a certain number of train cars you use per game in the very beginning. It's only like twenty, so it's fast, right? Yeah, I will say that, you know, as the game progresses, you unlock more, so the games are going to get longer and longer. Um, you played it at two. I played it at two. What'd you think? Would you if you had to recommend it? I would
1: recommend it higher player count. In fact, I was gonna go buy another copy of it. And play it again with my my entire family instead of just the two of us to see how different it was. I think it would be more interesting, especially there's there's a few things that they add that I think would be even better at more players. Yeah. So I would definitely recommend at higher player counts. And if I were to play it again, I I think I would I'd want to play it higher. That would be the whole point of me playing it again was just to see how much better it was at higher player counts.
0: I would agree. It's if if you play normal. Ticket to Ride North America map. If you play that and you don't like it at 2 because it lacks tension, this is somewhat similar. The first game, you know, your map is really small. So there's a little bit more tension there. But as the map grows, there's less and less tension. Like, yeah, there's still sometimes you can, like, you know, take people's routes and stuff like that depending on your tickets. But it's not necessarily as competitive with making sure you get those specific routes first. I think if I would recommend it to anybody I would say 3 or more. The sweet spot might be 4 as opposed to 5 cuz I do think later on in the game when you get towards game 10, 11, 12 cuz there's 12 games that you're going to play, I think 4 or 5 people is going to make the game longer than it needs to be. Because that at that point you're trying to there's certain things that come up throughout the game that you're trying to achieve while also doing your tickets and everything, there's additional things you're thinking about. So I think five at at like game 12 is gonna be too long
1: or you know you don't have to do those things you have to really decide do i want to work on these goals or do i just want to like try to get the most tickets like it could still be just as fast i think it'd be more interesting so if i were recommending this game for gamers i would recommend it at higher player counts if you're playing it with kids i don't think it matters so much so like i played it with my son who's 12 he 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 plays games so much better when it's just the two of us because it can go back and forth. He doesn't have a lot of downtime. The games are really quick yep. and, and it's, there's not a lot of tension, so he's not going to get screwed over. So I like that. Like, so for me and playing it with my, my son, I think two was great and, and I loved it and I would definitely play it again with him, with our whole family because he's played it this one time, you know, he's gotten good at it. I think he'll do well at higher player count, but for yep. gamers, I think there'll be more tension and it. it'll be more interesting and a little bit tighter. And you're kind of picking and choosing what you're going to decide how you're going to get points, and yep. just a little bit more interesting at higher player counts. But I think it's 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 great. It may be a a little bit lighter of a game at a higher at a lower player count.
0: Yeah, there's less there's less force tension trying to claim those routes, basically. Um, cuz at the end of the day you're there's victors per game and then there's going to be an overall winner at the end of the game. So throughout the game, throughout the games, you're balancing both trying to win that particular game but also creating opportunities to score points at the end cuz there's some things that you can get throughout the course of the game that will end up not scoring anything during that particular game but as scores at the very end of the campaign. So you want to kind of balance those those types of things to be able to like still win games because that's part of it is how much money you're accumulating through game to game to game and then while also balancing that other stuff. So I do find those types of things interesting. And I do like they sometimes give you like these little goals. Like, if you do this thing, you get this thing. And I was like, sweet. Like that's I'm on board with that. I love doing mm-hmm. those types of things, like unlocking achievements. Like, that's fun. There is something that you do get at the very first game, and it's an event. You get an event deck. And the way the event deck works is as you're going through train cars, you end up drawing what is basically a, like a like a newspaper. And then when you do that, you draw an event card. Now, I'm curious how you feel about the event deck. Because it it ebbs and flows throughout the course of the campaign. How did you feel about it?
1: So... I yeah, it's a, it's a type of a event event deck that I don't like. It's like randomly, yeah. like if you're in this city, you get points, or if you're in this city, all your train there's an earthquake and the trains fall down. You know, like it it hurts, it hurts people and benefits people wildly. So yes. like any other game, I would have hated it. But typically, so often things that will benefit or hurt you, and sometimes it'll be like you cannot play gray routes this round. Um, unless you spend $5 to remove this card or something, uh, yep. you know, so there's, there's certain things like that. that are like, okay, you cannot play any cards unless I have pickaxes on them because there's some symbols on the train cards. There's a lot of that stuff. Um, I, I didn't love it. I didn't like it. I, I didn't even say I liked it. I don't think it added a lot to the game, but I didn't hate it. Um, I think I tolerate a lot of things that I don't normally tolerate in legacy games because it, it does make it interesting and fun. I th- I feel like this is a lighter game. You know, if you if you luck out on one of those. I, I don't think anybody won or lost a game because of the events. So it didn't matter that much. But you could certainly make moves knowing what's in the event deck and planning for that. And hoping some of these cards come up. You know, that's definitely a possibility that you could do. Um, but as the uh, as the event deck grows, you 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 might not get all the events, but there's like so many of them in the train card, and every time you get an event card, a new one comes up so it replaces the old one. Some of them are like when this card gets flipped over. and some of them are as long as this card is showing. and the ones that say, as long as this card is showing, you know, you don't know if it's even gonna get back to you. you know you could get another event card that comes up. So it's yeah. hard to plan for them. so they're definitely swingy. I so all that to say, um i didn't mind it. it it made it a little bit more fun and more interesting i was fine with it and in a way that i would not be fine with this exact same event deck in any other game
0: the funny thing is when we were playing the game and we were going through the event deck in my head i was like natasha probably hated this I'm like i wonder how she feels about this event deck because one of the things is you played it with max i played it with ashley you and i didn't talk about it like this is the first chance we're getting to actually like talk about
1: it mm-hmm. And when I play games with my son, I have a high, way higher tolerance for randomness and luck because I enjoy when he can beat me. You know what I mean? On his sure. own. But I don't think I lost a game because of the event deck or anything bad happened to me.
0: It's hard to say if, if either one of us won or lost because of the event deck. And there was a few games we played where like Ashley beat me by like four or beat me by like two. And it's like if... You know, if I, if she claimed the one event that gave her an extra $6, is that the reason why she won? You know, if I did it, is it, if I got it and I won, you know, it's hard to know how much that event deck influenced the overall outcome of a game, but they can be swingy. And sometimes you flip one and you're the receiving end of it and you're like, yes, I'm about to make a bunch of money. And then you're on the opposite end and you're like, oh my God, really? Like, I'm going to have to do this thing again. Mm-hmm. so there's there's definitely a give and take when when it comes to that event deck. I just uh, man, I don't know, I don't know if I liked it it, it was fine. A,
1: it added a little fiddliness to the game,
0: yes, and it and it changed it sometimes it would put like a like a temporary rule like a restriction or something like that, so you'd have to play around it and different things like that, so it would just kind of like ugh, like
1: i i thought it was I thought it was fun in the context of a legacy game. It, it added to the story. There was certain things that you would complete within this this event, and tr- that would trigger, and then those cards would be removed. And that was really interesting and fun. So Max yep. did play Max and I did play this game again yesterday because you can play it when you're completely done. You have a, yep. a customized board game um, that's unique and different. You get rid of a lot of the legacy parts of it, and, and they tell you exactly what to get rid of and what to keep. And then you can play the game. And as like a regular t- now that we played it on its own, I enjoyed it i I liked uh, I liked the money part of it instead of counting tracks, so like I really enjoyed playing that part of it, but I didn't love the events in it. like I could have played the game without the event deck, but in the legacy, like you needed to it's part of the story, like it's an important part of it, so and it's fun, it's worth playing, but then yeah, at the end of the game, like I could play without the events.
0: do you think you're gonna keep it and play it as um now that you're done? Are you gonna keep it around? Like you've played it once, obviously, but do you plan on keeping it?
1: Yeah, we set it all up. We plan on keeping it, but I don't know how much we'll actually play it. I I enjoy. uh, It is a different ticket to ride. It's it's like a ticket to ride with some um, expansions in it. Is kind of what it feels like at this point. At the end of it, you know, and it's it's different enough. Like you know, there's different cities that are on the board. Obviously, the train the routes are different. Um, the way it plays is slightly different. I like the coins a lot. That makes me want to play it. Like the coins instead of the, you know, the points for the playing the cards. I like that. And I like uh, some of the modules and like things that you're doing in it. And so it's a fun way to play Tickets Ride. So yeah, I think we'll play it. Um, I could, at the events, I could take or leave, but it makes it interesting and different. And, you know, once you kind of get to know them, you're like, okay, which ones are going to come up and you can kind of plan for them.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's. I don't know if we're gonna keep it or not. Like, I don't. I don't know if we're gonna continue playing it as is, or whatever. There, are, there are a couple things that my wife and I didn't particularly ca- like. Like, I guess T- two things. One is, I I think if you have color blindness, this game might be difficult. There's certain things that come up that just are. I think people with vision impairments are gonna have a difficult time. And one of the things is is idiotic as this sounds you get postcards throughout the game okay this is not a spoiler you see an entire entire pack of postcards when you open this game up you get postcards the writing on the postcards are cursive there was times where like i was reading it and i was like wait what does that say now they coming from a person that like learned cursive growing up i saw that and i was like like you guys couldn't have chose like a like an easier font to read. There's a couple things that end up on the board that can be difficult to see. Um, One thing in particular, my wife's like, where's that thing at? Oh, okay, it's over here.
1: I agree with that. Um, In fact, my son cannot read cursive, so he had to hand me those postcards and I had to read it to him. The postcards that are, like, the back side of it is in cursive and then the the front side where you actually need to, it's text for the game, is print. So, like... You can, the, te- the cursive is all flavor text, so you don't yes. actually need to read it. So I read it to him and then he would pick up the card, the side that he actually needed to read it silently to himself and be able to read it. So I agree there was some, it was, it would be difficult if you had trouble, any kind of trouble seeing, like if you couldn't read anything that was small or difficult print. Yeah. Or if you can't read cursive at all, which a lot of children cannot read cursive anymore. Well, they're not.
0: It's not a requirement in school, I don't think. Right? I don't think you need to learn cursive. Like, in they're
1: not learning it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't think. I don't really even know why you need to learn cursive at this point. Uh, I guess maybe to sign your name, but even then, at this point in life, like everything seems like electronic signature anyway. Anyway, so but that's the thing is like, there's a couple times reading that I'm just like, "Mm, you know, that's. Like, how would I thought to my to myself, I was like, I wonder if Max had to could read this or if he had to have you read it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I read it.
0: Um, So the second thing that and it's it's more just like, I don't know, just felt a certain kind of way about it is the fact that it's puzzle pieces and not stickers. So in pandemic season two, they use stickers to expand the board. Which were, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was cool because you got that, expi- but they would sometimes start curling up. They wouldn't necessarily stick. In this game, what they've done is they've given you puzzle pieces and to cr- expand the board. The issue I've run into is, and I don't know if it's, you know, just where it's being in my basement, but some of those boards have, have a slight bevel to them. So they don't like, some of them don't actually like seed in correctly. You know, they're like some are like slightly up on this side, slightly up on that side. So we often find ourselves like trying to push them down when we're putting our trains out. It's just a little minor thing, but
1: something that that bothers you who you like to have things look nice and clean. Your stickers are probably all perfectly aligned. They're They're not completely flat. Nope. I will say I can see I can see playing this game for like a year and then throwing it away. Because you're right, like when you sticker things up when you when you make adjustments to the board when they're made out of puzzle pieces like it's not going to be one that lasts years and late years that is true yeah. i think yeah, it's going
0: to have a shelf life
1: yeah i think it's okay to play this legacy game play it a couple more times and then be completely um, done with it and throw it away like it's not going to be one that you're going to have for years and years and that's fine like it doesn't need to be
0: well, and that's the one of the appeals you like for legacy games is you play it through and then you're done and you don't need to keep it around anymore. You know, yeah. for me, that was like an, an initial barrier. I was just like, mm, once I'm done, though, I'm done. Like, I don't get to keep playing it. We've played this game 12 times. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Playing a game 12 times is in a, in a year like, is a pretty solid amount of experience you get out of the game, at least from my perspective. -hmm. And it also eliminates that thing where most people like, well, I want to be able to play it after the fact. This gives you that option. I don't know if it's an option I'm gonna take because, like, who am I gonna play it with? Am I gonna play it with brand new people? Probably not. Mm -hmm. Like, if I'm gonna play Ticket to Ride with, you know, other people, I'm probably just gonna take the North America game out.
1: Yeah, it would spoil this if they if they wanted to eventually play it. They it would you kind of spoil it for them.
0: That said, I would play it. I would definitely play it again. I would love to play through it again with a higher player count.
1: I think the joy and the fun in the legacy game is the legacy experience. Is opening it up, doing those little activities and things that you're going to do throughout the game. Having a complete game at the end is is kind of could be fun for a lot of people. It's not the fun for me. You know what I mean? I, it is yep. a unique game. Yours is going to look very different than mine, and that mm-hmm. that's really cool. But at the end of the game, it's it's just like a basic ticket to ride with a a little bit different version of ticket to ride you know and and at this point like i'd rather play my quality i have a lot of the expansion games you know i'd rather play that version but we we have been playing it max requested to play it and he's never requested to play clank legacy you know we've never played that we've tried playing machi coral that was just kind of a pain you know so this is definitely so far my favorite of the ones that you can continue playing
0: so let's get into ratings Let's let's wrap this up. What are you going to rate Ticket to Ride Legends of the West?
1: I'm rating it a 9 out of 10. I loved it. I think it's a great family game. I think it's the best family legacy game. It is a light game. It's very swingy. It is not something that you're going to take super seriously. Like the fun is is in in the um the different activities that you're doing and the way you're playing it. And I think it's perfect for families. I don't think if I played it with a more competitive like my gamer friends, it probably wouldn't quite make it as a 9. But for me as a family game, one that I enjoy playing with my son, I really loved it.
0: So if you thought like if you played it with let's say me, Jeremy and Chris, for example, mm-hmm. you don't think you would rate it a 9?
1: I don't know. I don't know. Um I'd have to play it first, I think. Yeah. I, it could be it, it it could fall flat. And I don't know if I would get frustrated with like, I don't know, like would I would I want to do better and get frustrated that I can't always do everything? I don't know.
0: Is it like switching to a more competitive mindset? Cause yeah. Playing with Max, you know, playing with family or whatever, like you're going to be less competitive than if you're playing it with, you know, us like your game group. Yeah, you, you said a competitive it. Competitive thing.
1: You said it lacked tension, and I, and I agree with that. It had no tension in it, and that was wonderful to play with my son. Like I don't need a game yep. that has tension. I'm not gonna stress out over a game playing with my son. But like, yep. but it, it is that is that lack of tension gonna be missing for me when I play it as a competitive game with my gaming friends? Yep. And so yep. I think now if I played it again with them, I would go into it knowing that, like, I would know this is how it's gonna be. Like I'm just gonna. I might just try to go like all in and just be really gambly and try to get the most amount of points. And if I risk it all and lose it, that's fine. I don't know. I don't know how I'd play, play different yeah, risk
0: it for the biscuit. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. <laughs> One time max did, did end the game way quicker than I expected. And I had all my routes all set up and ready to go on both sides of the board. All I had to do was connect them in the middle. And I didn't get to do that. And I had like, you end up, you don't get a negative score. You go up right yeah. up to zero. But I had like, I, if I had a negative score, it would have been like, negative 20 or 30 points at the end of the game it was so bad nice. I ended up with Good zero time, but <laughs> he like just he destroyed me in this game like he won the majority of games like i won i won almost half of them but he won the majority but he won like a lot of like the i guess i'll call them mini games within it that, that for the end of the game he won mm-hmm. a ton of those and so he did he destroyed me like every aspect he destroyed me in yeah. There was a few that I was like, "Oh, I'm doing really good in this one," but it didn't really matter enough.
0: <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, it uh yeah, Ashley, she got more wins throughout the course of the campaign, definitely. Um, it got kind of frustrating a couple times. The one time, there was one time I thought I won, and she's like, "Oh, wait, I have this thing that gives me points based on this." And it was like I was beating her by, like, five, and then she ended up winning by, like, two because she got an extra, like, so I was like,
1: <sighs> mm-hmm.
0: uh, I'm done. Oh, yeah, there were games where Max
1: beat me by, like, 100 points. Like, it was pretty, pretty big because he would get, like, a ton of tickets, you know. And there were certain things that I did really well at, but it didn't matter at the end, which I love that. Like, I love that he beat me, like, and he legit beat me. Like, I was not holding back. I was not letting him win, typically in Ticket to Ride. When I play with him, I at least make sure he could well, I did I don't anymore because he's gotten really good at the game. We played it a ton. But at first, like I would make sure I wouldn't finish the game until he completed his tickets that he's working on. Yeah. You know, I, but now uh like I played my most competitively. I played the game as competitively as I could, and he legit beat me. And so that was a lot of fun. All right, what are you writing it?
0: First and foremost, I liked it. All right. I enjoyed my play of it. It was slightly different, maybe, than what I thought it was going to be, and I'm going to say, like, seven and a half, eight. Oh. Uh, I think I'm going to go eight. I think I'm going to put it in an eight. I, I enjoyed my play of it. I think I'm, I am would enjoy the play it at a higher player count because it lacked that little bit of tension of, oh, are you going to take this route from me? And because of that, it was a little bit... It, lacking that tension makes the game a little bit more just, like, free-flowing and one of the things I like specifically with ticket to ride is that anxiousness of somebody taking your thing and not being able to do anything about it. Like there's, there's that timing element that I really enjoy this game. I I liked, I don't think the story was super fantastic. The story was fine. I don't think it was necessarily anything that I'm like, wow. But again, my main comparisons, pandemic legacy season one, like that story blew my mind, you know, like this just, it was fine. Um I enjoyed unlocking the content. I thought that was cool, the more stuff you get. I found those types of things interesting, the way the game evolves and everything. I enjoyed that stuff. I enjoyed the mini games like you were talking about. I focused a lot of my efforts on that stuff, which paid off for me at the end of the campaign. But like it just it was good. It was good. And I think if we didn't have the pandemics to compare to, this probably would be higher, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my plays of it. Um I would play through it again. If I would do it again, I would like a group of three or four to play it with. That said, I don't know if I would make any choices. I would let kind of them do the choices, but overall, I enjoyed it. I thought it was, I thought it was a solid iteration. I don't know if I'm going to keep the legacy, the game after, you know, I don't know if I'm going to con- continue playing it. Cause I don't know if it would just be me and my wife. And if we're going to play ticket to ride a two player, I'd rather do Nordic countries because it's a tighter map. So who's this game for Natasha?
1: Who should get this game? Families. Yeah. If you like lighter games, if you you know, if you love Ticket to Ride, you should for sure play this game. It's Ticket to Ride plus. It's Ticket to Ride plus. You get to do all these extra fun things. If you like legacy games, this is a no brainer. Um, if you if you have a family member that doesn't play games but loves Ticket to Ride. I would recommend this. I think it's Agreed. a great different way to do Ticket to Ride. Even if you've done Ticket to Ride everything, you've played all the different versions, it's still different. And it's 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 still heart and soul. It is Ticket to Ride. Like yep. if you play Ticket to Ride, you're going to jump right in. No problem. You're going to love this. My son loved this game. He would, we could play it again. We, if I were to buy it today, we would have it replayed in a week. Just the two of us. He would love it he loved destroying me you know he loved all the mini games it was so fun i loved it i i talked last week that the 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 spoiler I won't mention it again but it was my absolute favorite thing about the it game it was
0: cool like it was it cool was, you use it a lot yeah
1: it was just it made it so fun and it and it added nothing to the game itself but man yeah. would it make it fun and, and and to me like that that thing that i talked about last week was worth the game and i want to play it again just so i can redo all that and and have fun with it. So for me, i mean, if you like any of that stuff if it sounds fun, you're going to have fun. Go into it knowing it's it is a lighter experience. i think a lot of legacy games are lighter. They need to be because you add so much for the games like you're adding on all these rules and like you're making it really i think they're definitely more fiddly than like a regular game because you're adding on extra rules and extra things to do and to maintain and remember all this stuff, you know, so I like that they're lighter.
0: Yeah, I agree
1: for me. That's, that's who I'd recommend it for. And I highly recommend this game. Uh, the only reason it's probably a nine instead of a 10 is probably the, the events. And then of course the fiddliness of having to keep track of everything that takes it down just a notch for me. Like if it was a little bit simpler, I wouldn't yeah, If you have it.
0: everything in play, there can be a lot of little things that you have to keep track of when you lay a route.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: I agree. I think families are going to love this game. If, you, if you're a family and you play Ticket to Ride on a normal basis, honestly, I would pick this up and play it. I think it would be a good time. And I know it may have seemed like I'm a little bit down on it. I enjoyed it. I I wanted a better story, but overall, I enjoyed my experience of it. So that is Ticket to Ride, Legends of the West. And that is also going to bring us to the end of reviews. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, Natasha is going to talk about how to get away with not buying board games.
1: I don't, have a how to, I don't have a way to get out of buying Ticket to Ride, though. Like that, you just have to buy that. <laughs> you
0: just, just bite the bullet on that one.
1: I'm not going to de-influence you in buying Ticket to Ride. Okay, buy Ticket to Ride. I will de-influence you in buying all the other games. But Ticket to Ride Legacy. All
0: right, we'll see you after the break.
1: All right. Welcome back, everyone. For this next topic, I want to talk about de-influencing you to buy board games. So, um, I don't think that you, you, you know, I think, I think you obviously need to buy some board games like legacy games and, and that you do need to, you know, buy those if you want to play them and you can't resell them. Some of the exit games are like that same way. So there's, there's obviously nothing wrong with buying games. I love to buy games but you can be really picky about it and you don't need to own hundreds and hundreds of games. If you want to own just a few that you want to play, that is completely fine, but you can still play all of the board games. You don't need to own them to play them. And in fact, a lot of people own tons and tons of games that they don't play. Like, like for example, I um, have bought games that I really enjoyed. I play the game a lot throughout the year, but I never play my own copy. And so that's, (laughs) why do I even own this? Like I go to conventions and I play it. I borrow, I play other people's copies that they bring. Like I play this game all the time, but I've never opened my own copies. Therefore, like I don't need to own it, you know? Yeah. And so for me, like I try to only buy games that I play. If I don't play them, I can get rid of them. I don't care if it's my favorite game in the world. If I don't, if my copy does not get played, I don't need to own it at this moment. I can later in life, if I really want to play it, I can buy it then you know, that's, that's kind of my thought process. You do not need to own games to be a board gamer. So how can you play a lot of games, you know, get your feelers out there. I think ideally it's nice to be able to play a game before you buy it. That's helpful. At least is this a game that one, you, you somebody can teach it to you. So you don't have to learn it, which is yeah. often the first like barrier in getting one of your games played is like the, the mountain of like getting to teach, you know, figuring out how to play the game you know and then making sure you like it is it going to be a game that the people in your life will play it whoever you play your board games with will play it so being able to play games is really important i think in in order to be a board gamer like you don't have to you can only play a few games and that's fine you could still be a board gamer but oftentimes you know you want to try to sample a lot of the uh, different games you hear about them that's why you listen to reviews and what other people say to try to to figure out ones that you'd like because there's so many obviously so anyways how do you get your hands on some games without buying them so f- first of all borrowing them that's like obviously the easy solution um uh, like a lot of game stores have games that you can borrow our game store does not all of them do but you know if, if there's any game stores in your area that borrow out games and then libraries are another source of of um i've been seeing a lot of libraries have board games that you can yep. check out and take home which is neat and if your library doesn't do that you can always ask them i often ask my library for books that i'm interested in and they'll buy them they'll buy them for me so that i can borrow them and then they'll sit on their shelf so just asking like gets you pretty far they maybe they won't buy board games and that's probably the case for a lot of people but it never hurts to ask
0: yeah i th- the it's interesting you bring up the the library thing cuz i think that's becoming more and more of a thing. uh people are donating collections, people are gifting different games to libraries. um i know at one point i was chatting with somebody local to our area and they were trying to uh they had a small budget to buy games and that they were going to start hosting game nights and it was, i was going to i was going to volunteer to help teach. It didn't quite work with my schedule in order to be able to do it, but I know a lot of libraries are starting to do that. And you talk about borrowing games. I know, like in our game group, we've gotten pretty good about, you know, borrowing games from each other. Mm-hmm. You know, don't bar- don't let me borrow it because I'm gonna hold on to it for like an eternity. But you know, other people are usually pretty good about it. You know, I know there's a few games. Like Jeremy borrowed a couple games from me. I've I borrowed you know games from him. I've borrowed games from Chris. You know, so. The borrow route, I think, is a is an avenue people should probably take more advantage of. I think a lot of people are willing to be like, Yeah, you wanna play my game? Sure. Especially if it's somebody you know and it's in your group and you trust them to like take care of your stuff. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. I think borrowing is a is a is something that people sh- like I've started to do it more. You know, because I don't necessarily want to buy everything. Like maybe I just want to play it and see if it works or not, you know, that sort of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's finding it's finding who you can borrow from is probably the tricky part. You know, I yeah, I see I saw an article at our local library um, started talking about having board games as well. So I, th- I can see this becoming a trend and and libraries like get a budget. So if, if you ask them for something specific, they'll often get it. And, you know, get, their game collection will probably be really small at first, but it's definitely something you can push your library for if it was important to you. Um, if you think other people will, will borrow it, you can get them to buy it and then let everybody else know that it's there and have them borrow it. They'll see that people are borrowing it and they'll buy, they'll buy more. Like they have a budget to buy things. You know, they, they do books and magazines and and movies and all kinds of things. Board games, I think is definitely on the horizon there. And then borrowing from your friends, obviously that's pretty self-explanatory. I think the hard part is probably finding friends. So the easiest way to not buy board games is obviously getting in a board game group. You get in a board game group, people are going to bring games every week. You know, there's there's no you just got to show up. That's all you got to do. The hard part is finding a group. So you know, look on on Facebook, uh, Discord, I don't know what, whatever the kids are scheduling events on. I don't know if kids do that now. Um, TikTok. I don't know if there's events on TikTok or Snapchat. Did I tell you that somebody asked me for my contact information on Snapchat? He's like, what do you want, Snapchat or text? He was like in his 20s. I was like, text is fine. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't know we did contact stuff over Snapchat, but apparently that's what the kids are doing.
0: You sounds so old talking right now, and I love it, because like normally you don't talk this way. Normally you're not like the kids these days with their Snapchats.
1: Normally I'm pretty hip on it, but I, do- yeah. I thought Snapchat was only for one thing, but apparently it's a, not. It is a social media platform that kids use to connect with each other.
0: Yeah, I think you can text and do a variety of things. Snapchat has grown a lot. When I remember it first came out, it was like you take a picture and then it's gone 30 seconds yeah, later. I thought it
1: was for one thing only. Apparently uh, not.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't snap. I don't have a Snapchat. Me either. So that just that just dates us even more. Like, do you? It's it it's like um, Facebook transitioned into Instagram. So now, like people people have Facebook just for the sheer need of you know us millennials needing Facebook, but then like the generation that's below us is like Instagram. All right, Gen X. Yeah. Here's
1: some advice. I <laughs> know you <laughs> don't want to, over, to be on Facebook. Oh Facebook oh man, is go. only for adults or millennials, <laughs> whatever. Um and get on Facebook because we schedule events through Facebook. That's what we use Facebook for, you know, besides showing off our lives our lives. Um we schedule events a lot through Facebook. So it, it, you know, and I know Discord's the same way and and yep. I'm not on Discord. I don't use it very often. Some other things that people use um but we do. there are a lot of events that are posted on Facebook, which are really helpful. And that that's a great way to find people and, and find the local businesses and and see if there's any groups out there. Now, I will tell you a story that just Ooh. happened to us. Story time. Um, so our local store closed down that we were meeting at. That's where we all met. And yeah. um, they closed down that location. So we had to find a new location w- within the town that we wanted to be at we ended up finding this other store and, and it's uh they sell like collectible stuff like collectible cards like uh figurines it's definitely more hobby um n- i don't know what you call it nerd nerd call it hobby like gate uh board game adjacent they have like an aisle of board games it's a pretty small selection of board games yep but they're definitely geared towards like magic pokemon collectibles stuff like that so we We had went down there and checked it out, a friend of ours did, and asked them, hey, can we come every Wednesday with our group? Because they had a bunch of tables. They had magic night on Wednesday as well, but they only took up like a quarter of their table. They had plenty of space left. And they're like, yeah, no problem. Come on down. So we started coming down. There was a few of us, like five to 10 that came. And they, they were like, hey, you want me to, can we post this on Facebook about this group? And... Um, we're like, yeah, of course. And and he's like, what time you guys get here and all the details. And, I, and we so we told them what time. And we're like, yeah, just tell them anybody's invited, no experience needed. And so they started posting about it. And then we've had people like coming. It, yep. It's just growing now. And and I know like, it's really scary. And I don't know that I would ever bother doing it myself. But if you don't have a local game group, get one person. Find a store that's willing to host you. And I was surprised. They are very welcoming to us. They're called Galactic mm-hmm. Toys. They're out of Grand Rapids. They have a couple locations. And they've been really welcoming to us, even though we're really not their target market. Um, they are now encouraging us to be there. We feel welcome, which is great. Uh, it's a nice space for us. And they're encouraging other people to come. And It's it's been growing. So if you could get like one person to show up to you, show up with you, go to these events, and then start advertising it, you know, on on Facebook, on social media, whatever you can and invite other people, like it might take a year before you get a solid group that shows up. But if you if you do that over time, people will come. And it's much easier that, you know, we say like it's much easier to find people that like board games than it is to turn your friends into board gamers, you know. Find yeah. them that like board games, become friends with them. It's much easier than turning your friends into board gamers. But you can start that. And once you start that, now you've got people that are all interested in games. They probably have their own little collection. They'll bring their games in every week and you can play their games.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to see the little, our little group starting to grow like more. I say little, but we have a decent number. But yeah, just the, having the store like start posting stuff for us, I think is it, like it's only going to encourage more people to come. The downfall I often find is... There's just so many social media, like, different things you can post on that it starts becoming, like, you talk about, like, hey, Gen X or whatever, you know, hop on Facebook. That's how we communicate. That's how, like, our generation would communicate, right? But, like, a generation in their, like, 20s are going to look at things completely different than if they're in their teens. So it it's somewhat over, like, it, it has to be somewhat overwhelming because where do you find people at? Facebook? Instagram? discord there's a lot of discord servers that are getting you know for local areas that sort of thing like there's probably people talking on like snapchat slack you know channels there's just so many different ways to connect with people with social media that it's just instead of just having one like concrete platform there's just so many little ones Mm
1: -hmm. that you
0: it's it sometimes can, can be hard to find what you're looking for and that's not even counting people who have like groups That are just website based. So, for example, there was a pre-COVID, we had um, a group that would post and everything was channeled through one, like, one website. And I think if you wanted to sign up for stuff, you would go to, like, meetup and sign Mm -hmm. up through stuff. So, there's a lot of different little platforms. So, it can get kind of overwhelming, you know? Mm -hmm. where like who's posting where that sort of thing
1: especially when you have a group like ours which is a non-official group like there's no name for it we just have started meeting up we've invited other people you know and and we've been doing this for you know what, like i don't know seven or eight years we've been friends now maybe 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 six in that range and and we're just it's we're but we've kind of like welcomed everybody in and who's ever wanted to join us. And then, of course, COVID dispersed us all. But we're getting back together slowly. And, you know, th- th- it can happen. It, you know, you you might just need to be the one to, to lead it, you know, to be posting about it, inviting people, telling people to invite people, you know, and, and it'll grow. You just have to be patient.
0: I think being the person that initiates it is incredibly difficult, though. Cause it can feel defeating when you're like, all right, I'm going to try to start a board game meetup at my local, let's just say it's a local library. You're going to, you know, you're going to start doing this meetup at a local library. Well, it's every other Wednesday. All right. So you show up the first Wednesday, nobody's there next Wednesday. Nobody's there following Wednesday. One person shows up next the week. The one after that, maybe two people show up and you're like, sweet, we're getting some people. Then the next Wednesday, there's zero, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it takes a lot of time to build that group. I know for our group, we Wednesdays is the n- day we play. And pre-COVID, we had a lot of people showing up. You know, mm-hmm. I would at least 20, maybe. Yeah, I
1: think the store, I saw pictures um, recently, and the store was filled. filled yeah, All the tables were full.
0: And it was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, you had a ton of people. COVID hit, and... Even like when we first started getting back together, there was maybe five. Yeah, on a good day, we were texting. Like,
1: we had a group text going.
0: You know, I now we're say, getting back up, but it's not the same as what it was. You know,
1: if you if you don't have a group, like pan try to get if you can get like one or two other people, get them to commit to coming say, hey, you know, three of us are meeting at this location at this time and then invite other people. And of course, other people don't come. Fine. But keep showing up those three core people, you know, and, and invite other people. and It'll grow over time. You just have to yep. be patient and kind of stick it out. But that is having a game group is the single biggest way to not have to buy board games. Because if everybody owns a modest 20 games, that's, you've got five people, that's 100 games right there. That's plenty to get you through a year of gaming you yeah. you don't need to be you're not going to be playing more than a hundred you know games every week unless you you've got a lot more um areas to play you know people to play with and whatnot but that that's a good start to your game collection just get a few people i know a lot of people that have started gaming with some friends of theirs they have just a small group and they would take turns buying games like okay they all wanted to play this one game you know, person A would buy it. The next time person B would buy it. Not everybody in the group needs to buy um, all of the board games, you know, yeah. and and just because two people really like the game doesn't mean those two people need to own it. If you're going to always play with the same people, then use that group to, to, to share, share games, have your friends buy them. I get really offended when my friends buy games I really own. I'm like, I would have bought it if I knew you were going to buy it. You know, <laughs> I'll play your copy. That's fine. But I'm also like, I say that, but like, I'm happy to be the one to buy the game. But like, I don't jump on it because I know so many of my friends, you guys buy them. So I'm like, well, I'm, um, I'll buy it, but then you can't buy it. And if they're like, well, no, I want to buy it. Then I'm like, OK, you can buy it. But then I'm not going to buy it, you know, because I play it with you. And it's one of
0: those things, too, that the as the group grows and you get to know people and you start forming like friendships between them. You can have more honest conversations about who buys what in some ways. Mm-hmm. We had that uh, interview with Kins and Key Games and TK and Colton. They live next, like, right by each other. So they often will talk about who buys what. Like, TK was saying he doesn't own any Stonemeyer games. Colton does. So he doesn't have to. And if he needs to play them, he'll just go ask Colton to, you know, play those types of games or whatever. You know, it's the same thing with, you know, we're talking about that Woodcraft story. You're just like, well, I don't need to buy it, Bob will. And I was like, I don't, I'm not buying it. But I knew like Chris was going to right, so like I didn't need to because I knew Chris how much Chris loves Sushi Games. You know, like Great Western Trail. There's no reason for anyone to buy it. You know, you just know I'm gonna buy it. You know, yeah,
1: and you'll play it with us. Like if we want, if I wanted to play it, I'd be like, Hey Bob, I really want to play Great Western Trail. And you're like, I'll bring it. No problem.
0: Yeah, done. Yeah, like, which which version?
1: Yeah, or I'll come out. Like what game you want to play? Like we, he will find a way. You know, happy mm-hmm. to play it with us. He will bring it. The story that comes to mind that makes me think like this about this is when we very first started getting back together right after COVID, we all came to game nine. We literally all had just bought in a copy of Terraforming Mars, the card game. We were so excited about it. And we all had a copy, and I was like, well, that feels stupid. And we we played it a ton. So I think we even probably played all of our copies. But then we're like kind of over it. So now we all own the same game and we never play it. Like one person could have played it. We could have played it a lot slower, not burned out on it and still been enjoying playing it. And that's really kind of what got me thinking about this. Is like, God, we need to communicate more about which games we're purchasing, you know, because we don't need to all buy the same game.
0: Yeah. For me, sometimes I will buy a game that I know other people will play or own. And part of it is I play a decent amount with my wife. Yeah. So if I know it's a game that she'll probably like, then it makes sense for me to own it. Because, you know, when I go to game night, that's kind of like my night to go do stuff. And, you know, if her and I are playing, sometimes it's literally just me and her sitting, you know, kids are in bed or whatever. Hey, let's go play a game and we'll sit down and we'll play something together. So it's a little different than that, but I'm often very choosy about that
1: Mm -hmm. when it, when it comes down to it you're going to only buy games that play well with you and your wife.
0: Yeah. It needs to play well at two and I, and I needs to be a game. I think that she'll probably like.
1: Yeah, exactly. So the, the indicator that I use for when I play, buy a game is, do I have a plan to get this copy played? Not to play the game because I can play the game. You know, I'm going to buy, like, I know a lot of people are buying earth. I really wanted earth. I knew I could play it at home. I had a plan to play it with my family. I'm going to play it. I'm also going to bring it out and play it with a lot of my casual, my my friends that are casual gamers. They'll like to play Earth. I have a plan to play this copy of this game. Therefore, I'm going to buy this game. And that's kind of the indicator I use. You know, and, and when I look at games, I'm, like I bought um, Coinbra a couple years ago at Grand uh, Grand, uh, Grand Con. It was on sale from our local game store really like the game it's still sitting on my shelf and sharing and i've played it since then just not my copy of the game i'm like why did sure. i buy that like i'm not gonna play it with my family you know it's too complicated to play it with my casual gamers like i didn't need to buy it and i'll still buy more complicated games like i bought wayfarers because you guys hadn't bought it i wanted to play it i bought it Jeremy promised he'd t- he learned the game. He taught it to me, so I didn't have to learn it. And we've been playing my copy of the game, and I'm happy to bring it. I know you guys will play it. It's a game I won't play with my family, but I'll play it with you guys. Uh, and so, therefore, I had a plan to play. It, it got yeah. played. You know, I think that's going forward. Um, my indicator. I th- so I no longer buy games that are on sale and no longer buy games that other people recommend. I buy games that I have a plan to play.
0: Sure. You know, thinking about how to be able to play games without actually purchasing the games is online play. Board Game Arena is probably the most well-known and I would say probably probably the best
1: They have the implementation. most on there
0: too. Yeah. You know, and then we do quite a bit with like Yukata because there's games on Yukata that aren't on Board Game Arena.
1: You have to purchase an account to Board Game Arena to play most of their games, but it's only like $36 a year.
0: It's to start a game of specific games because there's certain games that you can only invite other players to and start unless you're a premium member. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, like if you go on to... You can get away with playing games as not a premium member, but you just need to have somebody else start the game.
1: Yeah, which is how I I got into it with you guys. You guys would invite me. I'd accept the game and I'd be able to play it, but I could never initiate my own games. They have a handful of them that you can. So you can definitely go in there and and play a game um, and check it out to see if you like it. I like it because it feels more app-like, right? The Mm game. you cannot break the rules in the game it won't let you do things that you can't whereas uh some of those other platforms tabletop simulator like it's like literally like a 3D model of the board game and you just move pieces around you it's like you're playing the actual physical copy of the game digitally yep opposed to like an app like experience which is what board game arena is
0: yeah they uh like the tabletop simulators in the those those types of platforms that you can play the game and it's basically like you're moving pieces around. I've never really true I've never liked interacting with them. Oh, it's awful. It just it and I think it's one of those things the more you do, eventually you'll get acclimated to how it all's supposed to like work. But I just find it difficult taking my little like mouse hand or my little hand and going picking up this piece and like it just to play a thirty minute game but it takes you an hour because you have to manipulate pieces and learn how to manipulate those pieces. It's I just, I'd much rather just go on board game arena and play games on there because of you can't cheat. It does all the accounting for you. It takes care of all that stuff and you can still get the game experience. The thing that you're getting is the decisions of what I'm, what I'm going to do. Everything boils down to, instead of you having to manipulate a bunch of pieces, it just comes down to your decision making, mm-hmm. which is what we like in games, right? We like the what we're going to decide to do. Like, yes, there's fun things you can do with pushing up tracks. Like, you know, there's something satisfying about moving that cube up there, sliding the people down on like starship captains. There's, you know, manipulating those pieces is fun. But at the end of the day, it's the decisions that matter. And that's, I think you can get a good sense if you like the decision space in games based off mm-hmm. of like, Board Game Arena, Yukata, those types of platforms.
1: A lot of people that are really good at certain games is because they play a lot on Board Game Arena. Yep. You know, they'll get really good at it because you can play a game really fast there, which is really nice. I highly recommend it. Um, I did just purchase a premium um, subscription so that I can start games. And I've been inviting friends that don't have it and playing that way. And I really enjoy it, I think, for $36 it's cheaper than a board game, and you can get access to all of them. It's a great way to try games if you are interested in buying them. It's yeah. also a great way to play games that your friends don't like. If you don't have anybody in your life that likes these types of games, you can play them on there. And then what, with just with the subscription, you can get access to all of them.
0: It's it, it's pretty cool the amount of games that they have on there. And they're always constantly adding stuff. So
1: mm-hmm. yeah, you, Yeah, there's all kinds of new ones. They put them up there pretty quick, too. Yep. So I definitely recommend that as a way to get your gaming fix in without having to buy the games. It's it's so much cheaper. It's not the same experience, but it's definitely a way to to get, get in there when you're not when you don't have access to the full thing. Yep. Uh, another way that another thing, an option that's way cheaper than buying a game is buying the app. So the apps nowadays are like five to ten dollars. So they are pretty pricey for an app. Um, uh, but it's still way cheaper than a than a game. And if you have um, a game that you're really interested in, but nobody plays it anymore or nobody's interested in the game, buying the app is, is is a great way to play play the games as well by yourself. You can, especially if you're playing it solo anyways, If you don't have anybody to play it with. That's perfect. You can play it against the computer or online. I think is a lot of games you can play online. So I really like having app versions of the games as well. I try to avoid um, my favorite games. I don't buy the apps of those because I don't want to play it too much and get too good at it and then not be able to have people play it with me in real life or get sick yeah. of it. So yeah. I try to play games that I know I don't have any other access or w- ways to um play it with like uh, games that other people don't like or that I just aren't. I'm not going to get played anyways.
0: Yeah, I agree. I there's There's certain games I will play online and other games that I try not to play online or apps of. Same mm-hmm. for me, similar difference, but um, I, yeah, there's certain games that I'm just like, mm. but take a game like Through the Ages, The Story of Civilization, you know, playing the app. I don't know if I would play the physical version of it because it I've I, my understanding is it's long and the app just takes care of all the stuff. I just need to make those little bit of decisions on the cards that I'm going to be playing and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I would ever play a physical version of it.
1: Right, and it's an older game now too. So like people just don't have it around; they're not playing it as much. It's probably harder to get people to want to play it, you know. So that that's a perfect type of game to get on your phone, play it alone, and you know, for ten dollars instead of having to buy a physical copy of it.
0: Yeah, agreed.
1: All right, those are my suggestions, Bob. Am I missing any? Oh, I was gonna say I'm
0: like not the right person to ask that question. I'm. <laughs> I was gonna I like say.
1: Um, birthdays and Christmas is a great place to ask for games. You could you could limit, let's say you never buy your own games. You only ask for them for pre- presents for yourself. Um, And you're like, oh, Natasha, I'm, I'm only going to get like, you know, one to five games a year. Some, if that way, that's okay. If you get one to five games a year, over 10 years, you could have 10 to 50 games. And that is enough to have an entire collection. So you can just limit new games to like, gifts if people are looking to get you gifts you know that's another way to not have to buy your own games you can get get them as gifts it might feel tedious and slow but be picky about what you want learn about games make sure that you really like them play them ahead of time and if you have a a game collection of 10 to 50 games that you really love and are played a lot that's perfect that's a great collection and you can completely be happy with that because i find that of all the games that I own, I tend to play, you know, 5 to 10 of them a ton and the rest of them get played like once every few years, you know. Yeah. If that.
0: I think it's very easy right now to have the fear of missing out, FOMO on new games, always wanting to play new games. But one of the things that I keep thinking about is newer gamers, they need to they need to experience a game and they need to be able to play a game, you know, a bunch of times. And that's okay. I think as gamers, we're always striving to find that new cool game. We love playing new games. Like, I love experiencing new games. But there are times where, like, I literally just want to sink my teeth into one game and play this one game a ton. And that's okay.
1: And people that are new to the hobby really appreciate that. I've heard yeah. that from multiple people that get invited to game night. And they're like, the problem is every time I come, it's a different game. So they finally learn this one game. You teach them tickets to ride, they love it, and then you never play it with them again. It's like, get one game, play it a ton. Like, you can you can bring the same game to game, white, game night and play that game week by week by week, and that is completely fine. You, you yep. do not need to play new games every week. People that are newer into the hobby, they love playing the same games over and over again.
0: Gives Just, them an opportunity to learn it and gives them yeah. an opportunity to develop a strategy. And, and try get good things. at it. And,
1: and you don't have to, like, think so hard. Like, sometimes game nights i'm like i just want to play something i already know Like, i just don't have the mental energy to learn something and a lot of people feel that way so it is completely fine to play the same games over and over so i hope i've de-influenced you enough to not go out and buy a ton of games this christmas season (laughs) or (laughs) or ask for games so that you don't have to buy them yourself and it is the the holiday season, which means everyone's wallets are open and they're buy, 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 buy. And you don't need to do that. Like it is completely fine. I know Black Friday was just this last week, like a ton of games you could purchase on sale. If you didn't get any, that's fine. Like you don't need to feel bad about it. You know, enjoy the games you have and that is fine. Thanks for listening to our shenanigans. Join us next week. Please please help us out by giving us a review and liking us on Instagram or Facebook and send us your comments or questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone.
0: See you next week.